Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the gospel that we heard for this weekend, Jesus, he gives us that image that he is the good shepherd. Now, if you look at sacred scripture, up and down in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament, God is constantly giving us these images so that we can better understand who God is. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He talks about how he is the bride and we as the church are the groom. In this case, God talks about how he is the good shepherd and we are the sheep. Now, all these images are very compassionate and gentle images that help us to understand God. Now, it begs the question, why does God do this? Because God knows we are finite creatures. There's only so much that we can take in and understand in our intellect. God is infinite. God knows everything. And therefore, it's difficult for us to understand who God is. Therefore, out of God's overwhelming compassion and mercy, he tries to give us these images, these very compassionate and gentle images to help us understand and also grow in our love for God. Now, in the gospel, Jesus gives us this classic image that God is the good shepherd. Again, we see this throughout sacred scripture. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. He leads me by gentle waters. The prophet Ezekiel says on behalf of God, I will be like a shepherd. I will seek out my lost sheep and gather them to me so that they will no longer be lost. Well, now in the gospel, Jesus confirms that he is the good shepherd. Now, we don't hear it in the gospel passage for this weekend, but a few verses prior to this passage, Jesus specifically says, I am the good shepherd. Therefore, he embodies this image. Now, what we have to do in order for us to really understand this gospel passage, we have to understand it at two different levels, a reality level and a spiritual level. Now, what makes a good shepherd good? Well, the first characteristic is that the good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. Now, a hired shepherd essentially is hired to take care of sheep that are not his own. And when a predator comes about, yes, the shepherd will try and defend the sheep to the best of his abilities. But then when his own safety is jeopardized, he runs. Why? Because the sheep are not his. They're not his possession. And yet, take it to a spiritual level now. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I will lay down my life for my sheep. Which means what? The good shepherd is a shepherd that is not orientated to himself, but is instead orientated 
to his sheep. When Jesus came into this world, he was not orientated to himself. He didn't come into this world for his own glory or majesty. He didn't perform miracles or teach and preach for his own edification or his glory. He didn't die on the cross for his own glory. Instead, he did all those things for us. Jesus, our God, essentially is orientated towards us so that we may be saved and protected. That's why Jesus says in the gospel, no one can take these out of my hand or from the Father's hand, which means what? We are in the possession of Christ. When did this first take place? At the moment of our baptism. When we were baptized, we were literally taken possession of by Jesus Christ, and therefore we remain in the safe protection of Jesus' hand, in which no one will ever take us from his hand. Now, this is the reason why I keep telling everyone that baptism is the second greatest event in our life, because at this moment, we are taken possession by Christ. The greatest event in our life, when we come and see the beatific vision, when we come face to face with God in heaven, that truly is the greatest event in our life, because then we know we have made it. Now, take this to a literal level. Pretend you are a first century Palestinian living in the Holy Land, and you hear Jesus say this for the first time that he is the good shepherd that lays his life down for his sheep. Now you think to yourself, well, that sounds nice, but, you know, is that really appropriate? Is that really reality? Now realize in the first century, you are seeing shepherds and sheep all the time. Sheep herding was a means of commerce. People made money from that, from the milk as well as the wool and the meat of the sheep. And so you saw sheep and shepherds all the time in the first century. Now, that being the case, if a shepherd basically confronts predators that are seeking to destroy the sheep, yes, a shepherd will do all they can to defend the sheep. But when those predators, say wolves, turn now against the shepherd himself, well, that shepherd will fight against the wolves. But after a while, he will turn and run in order to save his own life. Now, we will not hold that against him. And why not? You know, a human being is not to lay down his life for some grubby animals. So, you would say, well, this seems a little odd. It's an odd claim to make. Again, you're a first century Palestinian living in the Holy Land. Now, what you might say is, well, yes, I would think a parent would lay down their life for a child. If their child was threatened in some way, the parent would naturally, instinctively protect their child. In fact, even lay down their life to protect that child. Why? Because that child is a possession of their parent. They love that child. But a shepherd, a human being, to lay them life down for this grubby animal? Well, it seems outrageous. Now remember, take it to a spiritual level. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What is he really trying to do? Well, he's really trying to prepare his apostles 
for an event that will take place, maybe in a matter of weeks or a few months, a horrific event in which they will see their leader, their master dying horrifically on a cross. Now, when they see that, they're not really going to understand it at all. But later on, they will put two and two together. They will put this passage from the gospel that we just read, and they will put it to what they saw with Jesus on the cross, and they will begin to understand the two. They'll truly understand that Jesus truly is the good shepherd, that he had to die on the cross in order to save us. Now, this is something that is incredibly revolutionary. Again, in the first century, that God would die for his people. Now, for us in the 21st century, if this doesn't shock us, if this doesn't call our attention, then we're not paying attention. Now, what Jesus was trying to do to his apostles, as well as the people in the first century, is to grab their attention and shake them out of their spiritual complacency. Now, realize what Jesus is saying is revolutionary. In the first century in Palestine, there were many false gods. Many people worshiped these false gods. And what was the relationship that the people had with these false gods? A master to servant relationship. They worshiped these false gods. They prayed to them. They sacrificed animals so that these false gods would somehow answer their prayers. But what is Jesus saying? The relationship that he has with us is one in which he stands shoulder to shoulder with us. More to it, he comes to serve us. Later, Jesus will say to his apostles, the Son of Man did not come into this world to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Again, this is revolutionary for a person in the first century, that God will stop at nothing to save us. And why? Because we are his possession. Just like a shepherd will defend his sheep because they are his possession, so will God do for us. He possesses us from the moment of our baptism and will stop at nothing to save us. This is how much he loves and values us. That's the first quality of a good shepherd. The second quality, Jesus tells us, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Well, this is a powerful image, isn't it? I spent several months in the Holy Land studying with some of my classmates. Now, what we were able to do is we saw shepherds tending to their sheep in fields. Sometimes in the morning, we were able to go out to them and observe them, how they took care of their sheep, how they pastured them. Now, in many cases, these shepherds treated their sheep like they were own pets, with compassion and with patience. Now, at night, these shepherds would gather the sheep in these large pens with other sheep from other shepherds as a means of protection from predators. Now, in the morning, all these sheep were dispersed amongst themselves and they weren't branded like our sheep here in the United States. So it begs the question, how would these shepherds know which sheep are theirs? Well, this is how they did it, based upon what Jesus tells us in the gospel. The shepherds would take turns one by one. They would go to the entrance gate, still locked, and they would start singing a tune. And they would keep singing that tune again and again and again. Now, what was so amazing 
is their sheep picked up on the voice of that shepherd. They knew that voice instinctively. And then those sheep gradually made their way through all the other sheep to the entrance gate. And then after a while, the shepherd took account of all of his sheep and then opened the gate and then walked ahead of his sheep, never looking back. The sheep, his sheep, followed him. And then they closed the gate and the next shepherd did the same. Now, my friends and I, we tried to divert these sheep. First, we tried to call out to them, but they wouldn't respond to us because they didn't recognize our voice, only the voice of their shepherd. Then we tried to block their way and the sheep just merely went right around us. They never even looked up to see where their shepherd was. They just listened to him calling out to them and they followed him. Well, see, this is what Jesus is trying to teach us as well as the people in the first century when he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Well, we do too. And it is a distinctive voice, isn't it? God's voice. It is a distinctive voice. Like sheep, we perk up ourselves. And why is this voice distinctive? Because we are made in the image and likeness of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we are wired for God. Therefore, it's only natural for us to distinctively hear this voice of God amongst all the other voices in our life, and we have many. They come in the form of money, materialism, honor, fame, fortune. They come in the form of tweeting and texting and YouTube and all those things. And yet we hear God's voice. More importantly, we hear it most distinctly at Mass in daily prayer, in a life of stewardship. See, that's why it's so important for us to continue to go to Mass every week, pray every day, live a life of stewardship, because then we most clearly hear that voice of God calling to us. One last thing. Yes, we hear God's voice calling to us, but God also hears our voice. And there are many voices. Each of our voices distinctive and different from the other. Yet God hears and differentiates each and every one of our voices. He hears our voice. He knows who we are. He knows our families. He knows our struggles and our daily difficulties. And how does he respond? By calling out to us even more. So that what? We can now follow him. And in doing so, we are protected by his grace. We are pastured and therefore we are fed by his body and blood. We are protected by living in a living and loving environment between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. More to it, we are finally led home. We are led home to the world we are all tending to, heaven. The world in which our ancestors now are there waiting for us. Why? Because they heard that call themselves and they followed that call all the way home to heaven. And that's where they wait for us. My friends, strongly encourage you, take this gospel to prayer this week, read it over, diligently listen to that great call, and then go follow it. It's worth it. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.